what is up? Thank you for tuning in to the Real Church Podcast. We pray you walk away from today encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. Today we're continuing the I Love You series with part six. How do we say I love you to God through covenant relationships? It's going to be awesome. I know it's going to help you. And this is really practical too. So buckle up. Let's hear it. Okay, so we are in the middle of a series titled I Love You. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? Yeah? Good. I was hoping you wouldn't say no. That wouldn't be good. But we're in part six of the I Love You series, and with every message, we say this, and I'm going to say it again so you get it deep down in your soul. The premise of it, why we're doing this, is God has forever declared, I love you. He's forever declared it. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. It wasn't just for the sweet by and by eternal life. Yeah, that's important and that's amazing. But he sent his son in the world also so that we might live through him. Regardless of what's going on in the, in the midst of your circumstance, God has forever declared he loves you and he wants you to experience his life in you so that he can lead you through what you're going through. So you can experience his goodness now and relationship with him now and he can walk with you through the trial. Isn't that awesome? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, period. God has forever declared his love for us in that we have no excuse to doubt it. The only reason that we would doubt his love is because of circumstance or because of, yeah, circumstance is, is um, ignorance, not knowing, but you guys know, I told you. So it can't be that anymore. So then the only reason we would doubt his love is unbelief. That's it. And my prayer is that we would grow in our understanding of his love day in and day out so we're no longer unbelieving believers. You know? Amen. I think that hit, that one hit hard. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. Because... A lot of times when we're going through stuff, you know, the way that we respond is based on our deep down beliefs. And sometimes the way that we speak and sometimes the way that we act, we, re we need to go back and hit, wait a second, God really does love me. I don't have to respond this way. I'm actually free from that, you know, because he set me free. So changing our mindset to what he said. You guys good with that now? Yeah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a big deal. Okay, so... Because he's forever declared his love for us, period. First John chapter 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So when we see and we receive his love, our love is a response to our understanding of his love. And then the question is, then how do we say I love you too, right? And each, each week we've said I love you too through prayer, through fasting, through prayer again, through worship, we, we had some testimonies of I love you last week, and this week, today, we're talking about how we say I love you too in the context of covenant relationships. Covenant relationships. If you'd like to take notes on this message, you can, right? Pen, paper, it's awesome. Or we have, we have uh, notes on 
our website. You can go to realchurch.us on your phone or on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube as well. Um, I have a link for the notes there, so you can find that, and it'll pull up all the scriptures. You can take notes in real time. It'll save to your Bible app, which is a really cool feature. Technology is awesome. It can be used to spread the gospel. Amen? So covenant relationships. The fabric of the kingdom of heaven is made up of relationships. If he, God wants to get something done, he does it through relationships. The foundation is Jesus, right? He builds off of relationships. And the way that the kingdom of heaven does relationships is covenant. Understanding covenant is difficult in our culture. We don't talk about covenant a lot, do we? In our normal conversation, we don't cut covenants with one another. Not normally, right? It's just not a a consistent thing that we do. So we're probably going to have to break this apart and understand it and maybe even flip our mindset on how we approach relationships because we're so used to approaching them in a different way, which we're going to talk about. So what is covenant? It's not exactly a modern thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, it says this. You are standing here, this is God and Moses, and he's talking with the people. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant, everybody say covenant, with the Lord your God, a covenant, say it again, good, the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath. One aspect of covenant is this oath, it's it's a legal thing. Because it's legal, it's, uh, it's unbreakable, or it's, at least it's supposed to be. It's legally binding. You're not supposed to be able to get out of a covenant. Yep. So it's this language of law. Verse, 12, verse 13, to confirm you this day as his people, everybody say his, yes. that he may be your God, everybody say your as he promised you and he swore, and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Also, in a covenant, you see these personal possessive pronouns. Three Ps fast. Personal possessive pronouns. The, the intimacy that a covenant brings, brings on these, when you, when you see possessive pronouns, it's kind of the language of intimacy. Like, baby, would you stand up? Courtney, would you please look at her? Would you guys give her a hand? She's awesome. She's wonderful. She's, she's carrying my fourth child. That's my wife, my family. I am her husband, right? You, you hear the possessive pronoun in that? There's a language of intimacy in covenant. You can be seated, beautiful. There's a language of intimacy. Yeah, she's awesome. There's a language of intimacy in covenant. So it's this countercultural combination of law and love. It's a countercultural combination of legality, legal, but yet intimate relationships. And it's kind of hard to understand. A covenant is way more intimate and personal than any legal relationship you've ever seen, and yet it's so much more unbreakable and enduring than any personal relationship you've ever seen. It's more intimate and personal because of the lasting legal demand to stay together. For instance, in a marriage, 
When you say the oath, I do, till death do us part, it's covenant language, right? So in a marriage, that kind of covenant language, it instantly causes the other person, once that's done, or both people, to be more free and able to be more personal, able to be themselves, able to kind of let go a little bit. Have you ever seen in a marriage or when somebody gets married, all of a sudden, the person begins to understand some things about the other person that they didn't know before? Because they don't feel like they have to put on a show anymore. Because of the legality, the unbreakableness of the covenant, of the, the, the legal demand, the legal bindingness, now that person feels like, wait a second, they're not going anywhere. I can really be me. But also with a covenant, the intimacy of covenant in marriage, it's sex, the intimacy of that causes there to be a even greater unbreakableness and a greater bindingness between the two. The more intimate you are, the harder it is to part ways. Make sense? That's covenant. It's important. And it's the way that the kingdom operates. The perfect blend of law and love. We are created for covenant relationships. First with God. And then also all of our relationships should mirror covenant. Our relationship with our spouse, relationship with our friends, obviously not the same level of intimacy with our spouse, but our relationship with our friends and our relationship with the church. Amen? Okay. So in covenant, we have to understand our covenant with God first. And once we understand our covenant with God, then we can understand our covenant relationships with one another. Because Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, and I know I'm, I'm going to be teaching a lot here, okay? Um, but it's going to hit home at the end, all right? So just stay with me through the teaching process. But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, we are to be imitators of God. So as he is in covenant with us, we're supposed to respond in covenant and then be in covenant with one another, okay? So in that, there's a mystery at the heart of covenant, Blessings and curses. You know, we see that in the covenant that he took with the law. You got blessings, you're blessed if you do, and you're cursed if you don't. And it's very important. People read the Bible one of two ways. The blessings are conditional. So either people think, a lot of times, people think the blessings are conditional. So in the end, you must obey or you're out. Or people read the Bible through the, the, the thought process of God accepts us no matter what, so I can do whatever I want because of, you know, God loves, God loves everybody type of deal. In our heads, we think those types of things. We either, God either loves me uh, no matter what, or I have to be really, really, really obedient in order to receive all of those things. But there's a problem with both of those ways of thinking. And there's an answer. And the answer is this, God loves us. And number two, God invites us into covenant with him. So we have to shift our perception of what that relationship looks like. You guys ready to dive in? Yeah. 
All right, cool. Let me give you that example of covenant. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 13, or verses 12 and 13, uh, God is, is cutting a covenant, and it's, it's the same, or he's reminding them of a covenant, and it's the covenant that he cut with Abraham back in the day, back in Genesis 15. And this is the covenant. I know I'm using this word over and over, but it's on purpose. This is the covenant that we're invited into by faith. So we must understand the legality of the covenant, and we must understand the intimacy of the covenant. And it's amazing. So let's go to Genesis chapter 15 so we can talk about this. Stick with me. Genesis 15 verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. This is Abraham. Uh, our God talking to Abraham, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's awesome. By the way, just as a little tidbit there, when you believe the word of God to you, you're believing in Jesus because Jesus is the word and it's credited to you as righteousness, as right standing with God, not based on what you did or didn't do, but based on the fact that God spoke his word to you and you believed it. That's awesome. Put a fork in the religious man. He's done. I receive it, Jesus. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, Verse eight. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Verse nine. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. I, I don't know. I just laughed when I read that. (laughs) Our elder said he did too. Uh, Yeah. God, how am I going to know you're going to do this? Bring me a heifer. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Uh, Bring me a heifer, a goat, it's a cow, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. It's a pretty bloody situation. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Um, As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Let's skip down to verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed in between the pieces. That's the pieces of animals cut in two. Once again, it's a bloody situation. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Okay. You know, I used to, when I I read this this passage growing up, I'm like, I was fascinated by this smoking fire pot and blazing torch. What in the world does that mean? Like a smoking fire pot and blazing torch came and went in between these two big pieces of animals um, or multiple types of animals. I was like, God, that's awesome. Like, but what is that? And well, you think about the, um, the Israelites being led by day, by, by a cloud and by night, by a pillar of fire. It's, it represents the very presence of God. This was God walking through the pieces of animals. And when, when God told Abram to, to do this, Abram would have understand what he was doing. Like cutting a covenant is normal for 6,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. Like this, this is a normal thing. This is what they did. And even in some places in remote Africa, people still cut covenants today. 
it's important to understand what is going on. Let me just let me explain to you. Like if a man back in the day was going to cut a covenant, um, a lot of times it would be a big deal. So maybe with a chief or with a king, um, you know, he was going to do something. Basically, by cutting the covenant, the man would would cut it and then he would walk through it. Usually, the king would not walk through it, especially if he was an evil king. He would not walk through it. By cutting this thing, what he's saying is, King, if I don't hold to my end of the agreement, then may my body be split into, my guts spew out, and the jackals come and eat my flesh, and the birds of prey snack on whatever's left. Like, it's a serious deal. The evil king, most of the time, would not walk through it. Basically, what he was saying is, hey, um, and if I don't keep my end of the deal, and you try to hold me accountable... May uh, your body be split in two, and may the, the jackals come and eat your flesh and the guts spill out. Make sense? Like this is, this is really intense stuff, but yet this is very important to understand. Jews who don't believe in Jesus, Jewish theologians agree that this covenant is one of the, if not the most important part of the Pentateuch, the most important part of the Old Testament. But yet they're dumbfounded by what it seems to be saying, because it's important. Abraham was caused to fall asleep. And God himself walked through the pieces. What God was saying was, Abraham, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, if I don't bless you, if I don't the blessing in Genesis chapter 12. If I don't bless you, if I don't make your name great, if I don't cause um, um, you know, your descendants to be as numerous as the, the stars in the heaven, the same covenant that we entered into by faith, by receiving Jesus, God's saying, if I don't do this, then may my body be ripped in two. May my guts spew out. Right? May the jackals come and eat my flesh. That's what God was saying. Now, Jewish theologians won't have that much problem with that because God's perfect. So he's going to keep his end of the covenant. No big deal. But the problem they have is that God didn't make Abraham walk through it. By not making Abraham walk through this, what God was saying was not only if I don't hold my end of the bargain, Abraham, but Abraham, if you don't hold your end of the bargain, then may my body be broken too and my guts be spilled out for your sin. God was saying, I'm going to, and Abraham and his descendants are destined to fail because of sin inside of them. God was saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's the covenant. 2,000 years later, it happened. Jesus, God incarnate, son of God, God in the flesh, became a man lived the perfect life, didn't deserve to sin or didn't deserve to die and died on a cross for us because he loved us, because God made a covenant and he holds up his end of the bargain. Not only that, sword speared his side, his guts, flow, you know, his water and blood gushed out. He held up his end of the bargain. He was paying for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I made a covenant and I hold to it. Covenant's a big deal.
Pretty amazing, right? Jesus was cut off and torn to pieces. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Do we have that? Yeah, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us through Christ Jesus. So the, the conditions, the blessings and curses that I said were part of the mystery. God's a legal God. Like how, how do you have this loving, seemingly loving father in, in the New Testament, but you seemingly have this judge, this righteous judge and holding people accountable for their sins. He's the same. He is a loving father and he's a righteous judge and he completely holds sin accountable. He still does. But the beauty of it is Jesus took our place and became the curse for us so we can receive his unconditional blessing. Isn't that amazing? That's how much God loves us? Wow. So God takes serious covenants and the legal portions taken care of in Christ. And when we see the seriousness of covenant, it helps us to understand his love for us. We can't completely understand the gospel without understanding covenant relationships, which is why I'm teaching on it. Yeah. So this changes things. We're supposed to be imitators of God, so we're supposed to relate to him with that same type of covenant love, but also... Philippians 2.5 says we are supposed to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus towards others in relationships. In your relationships, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. So we're supposed to have a covenant-based mindset, not a consumer-based mindset. Now, our culture, American culture, here's where it gets a little practical, guys. American culture is consumer. It just is. That's what we do. That's how we approach everything, most Americans, Right? It's a consumer-based mindset. Consumer is, I'll be what I ought to be as long as and to the extent that you're being what you ought to be. But as soon as you're not, I'm out. Consumer-based relationships, both covenant and consumer, are their satisfaction and fulfillment in both of them. But a consumer-based relationship, satisfaction and fulfillment is the end goal. The relationship is just a means to it, to the end. Meaning, I'm going to be in this relationship as long as I'm getting my satisfaction and fulfillment. But if I'm not getting satisfaction and fulfillment, then I'm out because it's a consumer relationship. Covenant relationship, satisfaction and fulfillment is part of the process, but the goal is the relationship itself. You see the difference? Let me put it to you maybe, maybe even more practically in an example. An example. Um, what's your favorite restaurant? Come on, let me hear you. What's your favorite restaurant? All right, we'll go with you, Loretta. Red Lobster. She's the closest. Why do you like Red Lobster? You like seafood, right? Is it good food? Is it good seafood? So you, love, you like the cheddar biscuits too, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody likes the cheddar biscuits at Red Lobster. Okay. So you go there because it satisfies and fulfills your, 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 your desire for good service and good food. All right, cool. All right, let's say the next couple times you go back, 
the waitresses are horrible, the food takes an hour, um, and they get rid of the cheddar biscuits. And wait, 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 and the shrimp comes out cold and old. I'm going with cheddar. Are you going back to Red Lobster? She's not going back to Red Lobster because it's a consumer relationship. She was there as long as she was satisfied and fulfilled. But as soon as her satisfaction and fulfillment was gone, the relationship was gone. Lord, help us. Because a lot of times we approach God in a consumer relationship. God, I'm here as long as you give me the tingles, as long as I feel good. I'll worship you as long as it makes me feel better. I'll read your Bible as long as I see, you know, uh, that this is applying to my life. But if I don't feel like I don't understand it, no, nah, I ain't reading it. I'll pray as long as I see answers to my prayers in my timing too. But if I don't see them in my timing, then I'm done. If this ain't working for me in two weeks, I'm out. That's a consumer relationship. We're not made for, he didn't make us and invite us into a consumer-based relationship. Because when you have two parties in a relationship, that's what it takes by, uh, for instance, you have to have at least two parties for a relationship. If one is covenant and the other is consumer, then the covenant partner is being exploited. We're made to be both in covenant with one another. Meaning, I see you laid your life down for me. Oh my, oh my gosh, now I want to lay my life down for you. Jesus said, you can't follow me unless you first deny your, pick up your cross and, and follow me. You can't be my disciple unless you do that, right? Wow, that's what it looks like. So then a co covenant-based relationship with God looks like this. I see the circumstances. I don't feel good right now. As a matter of fact, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like reading my word. I don't feel like doing any of that. But you tell me to do that. So I'm going to lay down my feelings to follow you because I know satisfaction and fulfillment will come. But I trust you and I'm more about knowing you than I am about getting what I need. What about marriage? Man, American culture is so used to consumer-based marriages. I'll be what I ought to be as long as and to the extent that you are what you ought to be. But as soon as you stop, I'm stopping. Right? As long as we have kids church for a reason. As long as the sex is good. And enough. As long as the dishes are done. As long as the money's good. As long as you're taking care of me, as long as I feel secure, as long as you're not too mean, as long as this and that and the other, I'm being satisfied and fulfilled. My needs are being met. But as soon as my needs aren't being met, I'm out. That's consumer. And you're destined for divorce. Because when you're both consuming, you're depleting. And when you're depleted, it's over. Covenant says, I'll be what I ought to be, even if you're not being what you ought to be. Covenant says, I'll lay my life down for you. Covenant says, even though I don't feel like it right now, 
even though it doesn't feel good, and even though you're screwing up, I'm still going to love you and lay my life down for you. But they need to do it first. No, you need to do it first. Somebody's got to, and God did it first for us so we could do it first for everybody else, which is awesome. And guess what? When you love that way, here's what will happen. God's love through you will impact that other person and change them from the inside out. And they will either stay with you or run from you because light hits darkness and darkness either flees or is expelled or it like comes to the light, right? Becomes light. So you start being the light, your spouse is destined to change or they will run one or the other. And man, I'm going to love Jesus more than I love my spouse. I'm, I'm committed in covenant first to Christ, then my spouse. And I'm going to serve him. And as I do, my relationship is going to be so much better. In covenant, not in consumer. And if I, if she starts consuming, that just gives me an opportunity more and more to be in covenant. And man, it's beautiful when both are in covenant together, both laying their life down for one another. That's where it gets like heaven. That's where you have those amazing relationships. And it's, it's not about, oh, I need, I need, I need anymore. But it's about how can I serve you? How can I love you? That's awesome. Friendships. Consumer. So often. I'm only going to be your friend because this friendship benefits me. You don't say that, but a lot of people think it. Maybe they don't think it, but subconsciously, that's the way they live. I'm only going to be your friend, because I'm satisfied and fulfilled being around you. But as soon as you start offending me, as soon as you're not benefiting me in some kind of way, as soon as this friendship takes effort, I'm out. That's consumer. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother because he's in covenant. What kind of friendships do we have? Covenant friendships. We're to be the covenant friend, even if the other's not. Does that mean you get exploited? Sometimes but you also speak truth. And sometimes because you love someone so much to speak truth, they get offended and they're a consumer, so they leave. But if they're really a covenant friend, they're gonna what, say, wait a second, he loves me enough to speak that truth to me? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Man, I probably need to hold this friend close. Covenant friends don't always tell you what you wanna hear. But they love you enough to lay down their pride and ego of having to, to, you to like them enough to tell you what you need to hear because they love you. I told you it's going to get practical. Church, we're so used to a consumer relationship when it comes to church, and that's evil. I'm going to say that again. That's evil. I'm only going to church because it feels good. I like the music. I like the preaching. When I walk away, I feel satisfied. But as soon as they offend me, or that pastor says something that gets on my nerves, or that pastor doesn't call me, or those people don't call me, or those people, whatever, I'm going to get offended. I'm going to leave. That's consumer. And you're being consumer with the body of Christ, which means how you treat the church is how you treat Jesus. How you, treat the, how you neglect the church is how you neglect Jesus because the church is the body of Christ. 
I love you enough to tell you this. If you hate me after this, I'm sorry. We're not called to be in a consumer relationship with the church. Sometimes the church may offend us because it's full of people. And we're supposed to be in covenant relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Lay down our satisfaction and fulfillment, roll up our sleeves and help that church to grow and get better. Be the covenant relationship that helps that church to be Jesus more clearly because you've been there plugging in for a year, five years. Be, uh, bearing fruit where you're rooted. If all you're doing is sucking from your local church, then you're exploiting it. It's time to be in covenant relationship. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you love us. Father God, I pray that we see your love so clearly. Your covenant that you made with us so clearly. That we run to covenant with you. And we exemplify that in every relationship in our lives. I got to tell you this, and I'm done. A covenant relationship with the church is this. God, this is your bride and this is your body. What local church do you want me to be a part of? And then he makes it clear where you're supposed to plug in. And it's not exactly your preference. And it doesn't exactly make you feel good. It's not exactly where you saw yourself in five years. And you say, yes, Lord, because you realize God has put gifts and talents and abilities in you that that church needs as a part of his body, that he's trying to make his body to wash it with the water of the word that he's put in you and to make his bride spotless and you're a piece of that spotlessness at that local body to make it be most effective for his kingdom. That's awesome. But not only that, he, whether you see it or not, he's got people in that body of Christ that have exactly what you need to grow. Not just the pastor. So if that's here, praise the Lord. And if it's not, praise the Lord. Yeah. I don't want you just because to have an extra number. I want you to be plugged into the body of Christ that God's called you to be plugged into so his kingdom can be most effective around yeah. the world. Amen. You're welcome here, though. If that's where he calls you. I don't care what you look like, what you smell like. What you, it doesn't matter where you come from. Your, your socioeconomic status doesn't matter to me. God takes care of us. He takes care of his body. It's awesome. Thank you for tuning in today to the Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. 
And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church or God bless you, and the best is yet to come.